TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Sit back, light the fire, kick your shoes off, because it's time for That Paleo Show with your favorite caveman, Brett Hill. Welcome to That Paleo Show, making the paleo lifestyle easy and accessible for everyone. I'm Brett Hill, and this week we're going to discuss a really important topic in health and well-being, something that is becoming more and more common and more and more prevalent, and it's actually with a guest who we've had on the show previously, but not since episode 31, years and years ago. So to talk about autoimmune disease, welcome to the show, Mickey Tresca. Hi, Brett. Thank you so much for having me, and it's really awesome to reflect on the last couple of years since we've talked. Oh, it's a bit exciting, isn't it? I cannot believe it's been that long. It actually blows me away when I see that. I thought it was like episode 130, not episode 30, so that was ages ago, so we might have even gotten a bit better since then. That was pretty early days. Yeah. <laughs> so, Mickey, let's talk about what have you been up to in the last couple of years? It's been a few years since we saw you last. What's been going on in your world and in the world of autoimmune? Yeah, so the biggest thing uh, that happened to me was actually I graduated with my nutrition certification, so I'm a nutritional therapist, and I really put forward my mission to rebuild my website, Autoimmune Paleo, and put forth this message of an alternate path of healing for people with autoimmune disease, which um, those of you that listened way back when might remember that I suffer from two autoimmune diseases. Um, but I'm just really excited to be sharing information that really empowers people to take back their health. Nice. And you've been doing a great job since then. I believe your book, which you spoke about last time, is now in hard copy as well. Yes. Yep. And, and all over the world. I know. Very exciting. And you're even coming to Australia soon. I am. Fact, yep. You may. I think you'll be coming very soon after this goes live, actually. Yeah. I think. So you might even be here when this goes live, which would be even yeah. cooler. Um, so... Let's talk a bit about the, what's been going on. What's been going on in the world of um, autoimmune disease? You know, it seems like over the last couple of years, our awareness of autoimmune disease has increased. It seems like there are more and more and more things being attributed to autoimmune disease. Um, what's been going on in the last few years? Yeah, so, you know, as far as uh, autoimmune research, uh, there's an incredible amount of progress that's being made in the science department and really linking all of these autoimmune diseases that are seemingly unrelated. Um, the common thread in the gut is becoming really increasingly clear. Um, but for people like me who, you know, I'm, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a scientist, but I am someone that personally suffers from this and really figuring out um, and solidifying these key components that people can work on in order to achieve their best health. And, you know, some of that involves working with medical practitioners. Some of it is super DIY. Um, but just learning about all of these things and that we we do have things that we can actually change and, and fix and help ourselves um, is is really new and the community is really growing and it's super exciting. That is super exciting. So let's talk about what, what are we actually talking about when we talk about autoimmune disease because it's a term that gets thrown around a lot. And, and as you said, there, you know, you've mentioned a couple of conditions already that are related to autoimmune disease, but it seems like there are more and more being added every day and, and more and more, I guess, other lifestyle chronic diseases that are now being shown to have an autoimmune link as well. So give us a bit of, I, mean, I know you'll probably be here all day if we want to talk about all of them, but give us a bit mm -hmm. of a breadth of what we're talking about when we talk about autoimmune disease. Yeah, so 
autoimmune disease happens when your immune system, which is supposed to protect us from foreign invaders like viruses and bacteria and other pathogens, uh, when when this kind of goes haywire and starts attacking our own tissue. And so in the case of Hashimoto's disease, which is a disease that I have, um, my thyroid is attacked, a celiac disease, which I also have, my small intestine, um, other diseases that people may have heard of, rheumatoid arthritis, joints, um, multiple sclerosis, the myelin. Um, and then there are a lot, uh, I mean, a really a large number of diseases that are very rare and uh, that are very poorly understood that are also autoimmune in nature. So um, the autoimmune-related disease organization estimates that there are over 100 officially classified autoimmune diseases, and then there are another 40 or 50 that are very highly suspected to be autoimmune in nature. Um, so this, it's a pretty big number. Yeah, it's huge, isn't it? And you know, my suspicion is, and, and what I think I, we're seeing now is that whilst there are you know a big percentage of the population who have been diagnosed with some sort of an autoimmune-related condition, um, it does seem like there are a lot more people who may have an undiagnosed autoimmune disease, um, and perhaps even an even greater percentage of the population who have uh, you know not yet progressed to that disease state, but but may perhaps have some functional issues where they do have a little bit of autoimmune-related issues going on that, that are affecting their health, but not necessarily to the level that it's a, you know, a diagnosed disease yet. Is, is that what you're seeing, Mickey? Yeah. And, you know, Amy Myers, uh, a brilliant functional medicine doctor from Austin, says it best in her book, The Autoimmune Solution. She coins this as the autoimmune spectrum. And so she proposes that there's actually not a black and white um, system where you're all of a sudden autoimmune or you're not. It's this the spectrum that people pass through where they maybe start feeling some symptoms like brain fog. Um, maybe they're having anxiety or insomnia or fatigue or joint pain or muscle pain, but it just kind of creeps up and then snowballs to the point where they actually have debilitating symptoms, which bring them to the doctor, which then they test positive for the antibodies and then they get the diagnosis. But often at that point, they're so far down that spectrum that when it's clear and it's diagnosable and it's recognizable by conventional medicine, it's not too late, but it's very difficult to turn things around. And so all these people kind of in the middle, they're kind of on their way there. Um, you know, the people that aren't sleeping well and are maybe gaining weight without any cause or change in their diet, maybe the people that were chronically fatigued. Um, like for me, I started feeling numbness and tingling in my fingertips and in my toes a good 10 years before I was diagnosed with my autoimmune disease. So, um, you know, maybe th these people, if they thought of themselves as um, on the spectrum, you know, um, pre-autoimmune, you know, there's a lot of words we could use to describe that. Maybe they could avoid going down that path, which I think is very powerful. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, the, the old-time chiropractors had a great word they used to always use to describe that, and they used to talk about dis-ease. And so it was, you know, dis-ease, not yet at the stage where it's a disease, but it's a dis-ease. You know, the body's just not functioning the way that it's supposed to. And even though you haven't got a, you know, diagnosed medical condition yet, that's the best time to address it before you get one and, and to get yes. your health back on track and get your body performing the way that it's supposed to. So yes. the tricky thing, I guess, Mickey, is, you know, you just listed some symptoms there, which is, you know, aches and pains or fatigue or um, cloudy thinking and you know, I guess there can be so many things that can contribute to or cause those types of symptoms. You know, it can, it can be really tricky to figure out. So 
how does someone know whether they might may be on that autoimmune spectrum? I mean, if I'm feeling a little bit sore, how do I know if it's not that I went to cricket training yesterday and I, you know, my muscles are pulled up a bit sore versus there's something not right here, I need to investigate it further? Yeah, I think the first place to investigate is just, are you living an optimally healthy lifestyle? You know, for people that aren't, for people that don't care what they eat, for people that don't sleep, for people that work 60 hours a week and don't manage their stress, you know, there's a lot of things to investigate and those those different factors could very well resolve the problem they have. So, you know, over-exercising, this is huge in our culture, you know, so sometimes it is hard to tell if your body has this foundational imbalance or if you're just hitting it too hard at the gym. You know, Um, but I think when you dig a little deeper and people do start uh, working on their health and and this was me when I started to work on my health, I started to have a little these little problems, these little aches and pains, this numbness and tingling. My hair was falling out a little bit. I didn't sleep well. And so I got into health. You know, I started eating better. I started exercising more, but it didn't work. Nothing went away. And in fact, everything seemed to get worse. So my experience as an autoimmune patient um, and, and finding out in in hindsight, you know, that I had been dealing with autoimmune disease when I didn't really know as a very young person. So I was 25 when I was diagnosed. Um, I I looked at it as just kind of these these symptoms that continued to get worse and worse every year, but in a very slow, almost immeasurable way. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's probably the case for lots of people, isn't it? That that it's yeah. just it's creeping up on them. And so I guess what we're saying is that, you know, adopting these healthy lifestyles is a great idea regardless of what symptoms you've got or whether you've got symptoms or not. Yeah. Because there are probably a whole bunch of other people who, who don't even have any symptoms yet. You know, they may not be feeling the energy, they may not be feeling the fatigue, but the fact that they're living this stressful lifestyle you know, it's going to catch up with them eventually. You know, it's going to affect their health at some stage, whether that's, you know, disease or disease. Um, you know, that that addressing these lifestyle factors is just going to be a good idea regardless of what's going on. I totally agree. So yeah. let's talk about some of these, Mickey, because you mentioned to me uh, off air before we started recording that you're now really focusing on taking more of a whole body approach. And you mentioned mm-hmm. your seven steps to wellness. And so mm-hmm. I would love to hear what they are. So Can we start going through those? What's number one, Nikki? Yeah, so the first step is to inform yourself, you know, to really educate yourself. And and this is hard for the people that are not diagnosed. So if you're in that gray area of feeling symptoms, but maybe you've been to the doctor and they can't figure out exactly what it is, what's wrong with you, but you have this intuition that, okay, maybe it's autoimmune, um, you really need to learn about what autoimmune disease is, which autoimmune diseases you might have, because it is important to have someone on your team medically. Um, if you do have an autoimmune disease, you know they're not life-threatening usually in the same way of like as like cancer, um, but you know, people with autoimmune disease can have complications that having a healthcare practitioner that is knowledgeable on your team can be really important. So often this is a a piece that's really overlooked by people that really want to heal themselves with diet and lifestyle. I'm a huge believer of diet and lifestyle, but informing myself about my diseases and actually, you know, 
I discovered that I had Hashimoto's before I was diagnosed. Not to say Mm. that I diagnosed myself, but I put all of my symptoms and I did a ton of research and I requested that I be tested for Hashimoto's disease based on the symptoms that I was experiencing. Most doctors thought that I was depressed. They thought that I was anxious. Mm. They wanted to give me um, drugs to treat that but they didn't want to look at my thyroid. And so when I put it all together, I requested that, I got my diagnosis, and then I was able to inform myself about which kind of uh, thyroid tests to get and, and et cetera. So informing yourself goes a long way, and, and it's a, it could be a whole podcast just talking <laughs> about that. Um, but for some people, that might even be you know trying to get a diagnosis based on what they're experiencing. And if someone's experiencing really mild symptoms, it's just things that have been creeping up for years, then you know try the diet and lifestyle first. If that works for you, great. But if it doesn't, you know coming back to maybe I'm autoimmune, maybe I need a diagnosis, um, that can be really important. And, and I guess the tricky thing in regards to informing yourself nowadays is that, you know, it used to be just about trying to find information, you know, that it was hard to find information, you know, in the you know, previous generations, um, you know, where there was limited access to books and information about health and wellness and these sort of things. And I guess now we've got the opposite problem where <laughs> there is just so much information online from different mm-hmm. practitioners, often conflicting and saying different things. So, you know, as you said, you may go to your traditional medical doctor and they Mm -hmm. may say, well, there's nothing wrong or it's all in your head or you need antidepressants. Whereas you may go to see a different practitioner who might say, well, we might actually want to check your thyroid. So how do you know where to look? How do you know which information to trust and where to look and who to listen to? Yeah, that's actually a really good question, Brett, and one I haven't been asked before. But, you know, I think that there are a lot of people online really pioneering this great information. I mean, you're one of them. And I don't trust anyone blindly. You know, that's a, a really important thing to to say is that, you know, even though there are people out there like yourself and like Chris Kresser and Rob Wolf and Mark Sisson, and, and these are people who really I followed when I was getting into this, and really their information saved my life. That's how I regained my health. But I would take a concept that I learned from them, and I would just check it out. I would see how it measured up to my intuition and how it measured up to my experience, and I would try things. Um, and And that's a little bit more applicable to like diet and lifestyle than medical information. But, you know, the medical part is hard. And for autoimmune disease, I would suggest that people check out some resources like um, Amy Myers, like I I recommended before, The Autoimmune Solution, Sarah Ballantyne, The Paleo Approach. Mm -hmm. Sarah's book actually has over 2,000 scientific references, and she's a medical biophysicist. So, so, you know, places like that, but, you know, I don't take one as the truth. You know, I like to reference them all against each other and they, they all have conflicting points, but it's all information, you know, and, and I think the information is the important part. It's not, not necessarily, you know, who it's coming from and, you know, the blind trust is, I think, what you really want to avoid. That's great. You know, I'm pretty excited about that, Mickey, because you actually just mentioned me in the same vein as... Chris Cresser, Rob Wolf, and Mark Sisson. That was quite cool. You you, put, you loved me in that category. <laughs> That's a bit exciting. But, you know, what's cool is all those people you've mentioned, we have actually interviewed on this show as well. So if people want to go back and have a listen to Dr. Amy Myers, she was episode 80. Um, you know, we've had all of those other guests you mentioned on the show talking about their stuff. So I think that's great. And, and I think yeah, so, it's a so great this way is, to inform. People are informing themselves through being here. 
you yeah. know? Cool and that? and when they find a little facet of something that they're really interested in, you can do way more research than, um, what, than what people say on podcasts. You know, these people have books and then yeah. um, they do podcasts on various topics and some of them even have more in-depth programs and stuff. So, you know, just keep learning, but always have that critical thinking on, you know, I... I don't, I don't ask people to, you know, I don't want people to follow everything I say, but I, I like to get people thinking, you know, and a lot of the people that I said, that's, that's kind of their way too, so. Yeah, absolutely, and yeah, as you said, if you start researching and look at, for example, Chris Cresser, you know, on his website, he delves right into the details of, of all of these things, and it's, it's just wonderful. It's amazing what you can get access to, so mm-hmm. it's great. All right, so that's step one. We've got six more to go, so we better keep moving. Yeah, What's number yeah, two, yeah. Mickey? So number two is a collaborate, you know, collaborating and building a healthcare team. So like step one was inform that sometimes involves getting a diagnosis. Collaborate means that you're not the only one that um, can do your healing alone. So sometimes you need help from other people that might be an MD with a specialty, you know, um, for people with Hashimoto's, sometimes we need to work with endocrinologists, you know. Um, for if you have multiple sclerosis, you might need a uh, neurologist because it is important to get those MRIs done every so often and check up on your progress. Um, for other people that might not have as serious autoimmune diseases or aren't diagnosed, you know, having a naturopath or a functional medicine practitioner like a chiropractor, um, having someone on your team to bounce ideas off of. I don't think it's smart to do all of the doctoring ourselves as mm-hmm. much as we have access to all of this information. Uh, there are a lot of situations where it's really important to have someone that knows when things are contraindicated or, you know, if you have symptoms come up, you can tell them because a lot of these diet and lifestyle things are actually very powerful. And if you do the wrong thing at the wrong time, you can actually make yourself sick. I've done it many times. Yeah. Um, so just building a team and whatever that means for you, you know, it might mean having multiple medical practitioners. It might mean having no medical practitioners and, and a functional medicine uh, like a nutritionist or even a massage therapist or a physical therapist if you've got a lot of mobility stuff going on. But collaborating is really important. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things with that is it's really hard to be objective about yourself. So, you know, yeah. even if you speak to all of those experts you've mentioned, you know, they would all have other people on their team who help look yeah. after them because it's hard to look at your own stuff, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. And and when you know so much, it almost makes it harder because mm-hmm. then you almost can't pick from the things that you want to do. So, um, so yeah, having good guidance is really important. And that's one, definitely one of the challenges of learning more, isn't it, Mickey? Like the more you learn about different conditions and different diseases, it's so easy to start convincing yourself that you've got all of oh, them. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. So what's number three, Mickey? So number three is my favorite step, nourish. And I'm sure your listeners are super uh, well-learned about food and the interaction between diet and the body and the immune system and good nutrition. But really, this is how we fuel ourselves, you know. And eating for autoimmune disease, the first step that I recommend people go through is the autoimmune protocol, which is covered in depth in my book, The Autoimmune Paleo Cookbook. Um, But basically, it's an elimination diet where people stop eating grains, beans, dairy, eggs, legumes, nuts, seeds, and nightshade family vegetables for Mm -hmm. 30 to 90 days. And then after that period, um, if they start feeling better, which is a really important point, if you start seeing improvement of your symptoms, you introduce those foods 
one at a time, very slowly with a lot of journaling and you figure out which ones are contributing to your symptoms. So where you land is this diet that is really supportive of your health going forward. Now, in addition to the foods that are removed, nutrient-dense foods are added. So these are uh, foods like bone broth, organ meats, fish, shellfish, Mm. colorful fruits and vegetables, fermented foods, things we talk about all the time. Um, And these are foods that speed healing really uh, fuel our cells and boost healing. Nice. Nice. I like that. And nourish is one of my favorite words at the moment, Mickey, because I just released my new book which is Nourish Without Nagging, How to Get Kids to Love Eating Healthily. And so we've been talking lots about nourishing at the moment. So that's a great one. I love that. And yeah, I think that autoimmune protocol is a great way for people to figure out what works for them and to help just reset as much as anything and then and then figure out you know what normal is like and then give you an opportunity to figure out how those foods are actually affecting you. Because often I think people don't realize how the foods are affecting them because they're just used to it. Yep. And, and a lot of people don't realize until they stop eating something how much of a problem it is. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So we're all nourished, Mickey. Yeah. What do we need to do next? <laughs> okay. So the next thing we need to do is rest. So sleeplessness is just an absolute epidemic. It is mm-hmm. ridiculous how much people think that they can get away with not sleeping and that it won't have any consequences on their health. And I mean, this is true for everyone, but it is especially true for people with autoimmune disease whose bodies are going through um, this attack. They need that time to regenerate and to repair. And so sleep is a cornerstone and it's the first step after kind of getting diet under control. I actually recommend that if people can start working on this at the same time, Um, but you know, if not, you know, one step at a time, but Really dialing in sleep is super important. So some people just aren't valuing sleep, as you said. You know, some people mm-hmm. are prioritizing other things over sleep, mm-hmm. but many people are trying to get to sleep and just struggling. You know, have you got some tips yeah. for people who are just struggling to get to sleep? Yeah. So um, for people that are struggling to get to sleep, my first tip is to try some amber goggles or amber glasses before bed. So these are glasses that filter out blue spectrum light that comes mostly from TVs and, and uh, cell phones and devices and, and that kind of thing, computers um, at night. And, you know, our bodies are really not meant to be ha- being exposed to this at, at that time of the night. So it, pr- it um, inhibits melatonin from being made, which we really need to feel sleepy and, and fall asleep. So uh, blue spectrum light is great during the daytime when the sun's out, but it's not great right before bed. Mm. So that little change, you know, wearing those the last hour or two before bed, personally, I don't, can't sleep at all when I don't wear those glasses. And when I wear them, I fall asleep like a baby. So for some people, that's really easy. For other people, it takes a little bit more than that. Um, Sometimes not doing anything really stimulating right before bed. So anything that's going to increase cortisol, um, which is a stress hormone. So maybe not watching an exciting TV show or even reading an exciting book or working out or having an argument, um, checking email, working late. All of those things are really going to make it harder for you to get in the mode of sleep. I'm really into having a, a bedtime ritual. So 
um, you know, two hours before bed, winding down with, you know, a bedtime-ish activity. So it might be reading a boring book or doing some stretching or some yoga. Um, It might be cuddling with my husband or my cat. Um, and then I'll wash my face and, and, you know, take care of myself, maybe get some things ready for the next day. Um, because I'm someone that has a little bit of anxiety about preparation and organization. So that helps me sleep really well, just making sure all my stuff is out. Um, and then I diffuse some essential oils. I wear my glasses and it seems like a lot, but for people that don't fall asleep, um, very well and don't get good sleep when you start getting that sleep and you see how much sharper and clearer your brain works and how great your energy is all through the day when you actually do sleep, you really want to preserve that, you know? That sounds great, Mickey. I'm, I'm yeah. feeling more rested and kind of sleepy just listening to your routine. It sounds <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> yeah. And I'll be honest, sometimes it doesn't happen, but those times I don't sleep very good. So, um, and you know, it's very important. The, the other thing I would add to that is if you do absolutely have to use your laptop or your phone late at night, then using something like Flux on your laptop or uh, the Good Sleep app on the, on the Android phones is a great way to help switch off, dim down some of that blue light as well um, and have that at least have a little bit less of an effect if it does have to have an effect on you too. Yeah. Those are good. So what's number five, Mickey? Yeah. So number five is breathe, you know, uh, and, and I use this to talk about stress management, which definitely ties into sleep, you know? Mm. Um, but it also, it ties into the amount of time that we are in a parasympathetic state, which is more of a restful, um, restful state as opposed to um, being sympathetic, which is with lots of cortisol and, you know, turned on and doing something. Um, we spend most of our days doing things and being focused and being productive, and this is sympathetic. Um, but parasympathetic state is very important because this is when our body digests it, its food. You know, this is when our immune system is activated. This is when fertility happens, you know, and even for women who are not thinking about trying to have a baby, um, the production of hormones is incredibly important because when that's off, then you get PMS, you get horrible menstrual cramps, you know, you get all kinds of symptoms. So I think our culture is just wired for stress and really not wired for preserving that parasympathetic activity, which we should have those little breaks throughout the day. Nice. All right. And number six, Mickey? So number six is move. Um, so movement is definitely essential for health. And, and for people with autoimmune disease, it can be a hard step because I find that people are either over moving. So this is something that I did before I got my diagnosis was I was a cyclist, I was a runner, and I was just putting a lot of strain on my body. Um, but then there are people who move too little because they're in pain or their muscles hurt or um, they have different barriers to movement. So troubleshooting why um, and and which end of that spectrum you're on and trying to get somewhere healthy. Um, and, you know, we don't have a ton of time to talk about it, but for me, it meant just taking it down a notch and um, walking, you know, I, I never used to consider walking as an exercise, but yeah. for me, I've realized that I can walk for a couple hours and really not feel that, um, that fatigue and, and that muscle soreness that I did when I was running or cycling. And so, um, and it, it just doesn't burn me out. So yeah, that's an and important it's crucial, isn't it? It's finding that balance, as you said, because 
I get quite frustrated at times with people who come to see me in the practice who, who have been diagnosed with um, autoimmune conditions or perhaps um, adrenal fatigue or these sorts of things who've been told to do nothing. Um, and, and I think that's just as bad as doing too much. So it really it's is. really important to find that balance, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. Your, your lymphatic system doesn't have a pump. I mean, that's how you de- detoxify. Mm. Um, and it doesn't mean you need to be doing CrossFit and sweating like crazy, but movement is very important. Like our, our ancestors, you know, they moved throughout the day, just very, very slowly, very methodically, um, very leisurely. And, and that's what our body's used to. It's not mm. used to sitting or laying around. Yeah. So. Yeah, and, and the importance of that movement in terms of the stimulation back to your brain, in terms of the release mm-hmm. of dopamine and serotonin, switching off that stress response, helping dampen that autoimmune response is huge. So it's yep. you know it's not a matter of not moving, it's just a matter of finding the right movement for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I so totally agree. We're almost out of time, Mickey, so you better get yeah. to number seven. <laughs> number seven is, is one of my favorites, so I think I said nourish is my favorite, but seven is connect and really connecting with the people around you, with the people that you love, um, with your friends, your families, and also the people that are also suffering from autoimmune disease or chronic illness in your in your network, in your community. And so this could be online. Um, this enhances everything that you're doing. I mean, connection to other humans is paramount. And also connection to nature. So when we are uh, connected to nature when we're, you know, experiencing the forest and the outdoor air and the sunshine, you know, this activates parts of our body, you know, parts of our immune system and lowers our stress response and helps us sleep better. It's just so many good things. Um, and I think this is the step that a lot of people overlook and they say, oh, that's too out there. That's hmm. woo-woo. But I mean, the Japanese have been studying this for years. So if, if you really want to go down a wormhole, um, really look into the Shinrin-yoku forest therapy that that the Japanese have been studying because they even know, you know, which trees, which essential oils and and all the the different elements of the cedar and everything that and how it affects the immune system and the stress response and it's really really powerful stuff. That sounds cool. That might be a cool interview for the future, I think Mickey. I might have to look into that one, but Yeah. It's a great little segue you've given me there, Mickey, about connection because it's been absolutely great to connect with you again today um, yeah. and I'm sure we'll connect again in the future. Um, and you're obviously coming to Australia, so if people want to connect with you in Australia, you're going to be on the East Coast, I believe. Was it Melbourne yeah. and Brisbane, was it? Uh, Brisbane, Brisbane and Sydney, yeah. Brisbane, Sydney. And then I'll also be in New Zealand if you have any Kiwi listeners too. Nice. Um, and that's that's mostly end of March, April and early May, so... Nice. If you guys are around, I'd love to catch you. And so if people want to connect with you online, they can go to Autoimmune Paleo. You're on Facebook, you're on Instagram, Snapchat, Periscope, all of the above, Autoimmune Paleo. Um, and they can go to your website, which is autoimmune-paleo.com. Um, they can obviously get the ebook or the hard copy of your book there. What else are they going to find at your website, Mickey? Uh, we have tons of information about the elimination diet on our site. So we've got all kinds of food lists, recipes, and uh, lots of inspiration and support there for, for people trying to live this lifestyle. Perfect. Well, as I said, wonderful to connect with you again, Mickey. Thank you so much for coming on board with us again. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Pleasure. So until next week, join the conversation on Facebook. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Join our newsletter list at thatpaleoshow.com. Don't forget to check out all the details about our upcoming cave camp in the beautiful Flinders Ranges of South Australia. And let's help grow the Paleo tribe worldwide. Join us next week on That Paleo Show. 
This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.